This is a podcast about new crops. You're going to love it. Join us on The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. There were no barriers. I have never seen this with any other crop that I have tried to get farmers to grow. It just seemed, you know, the view was there's no barriers because ultimately there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Welcome to Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. I'm your co-host, Jerry Clark, with the University of Wisconsin-Madison Extension in Chippewa County, serving as an agricultural agent. Today, we'll be talking about industrial hemp. My co-host today is Carl Dooley in Buffalo County. Thanks, Jerry, and I'm Carl Dooley. I'm the UW Extension uh, Buffalo County Ag Agent. And uh, it's a real pleasure today to have for our very first podcast, a uh, special guest, Dr. Heather Darby. Uh, Dr. Darby is a professor with the uh, University of Vermont, uh, Extension Agronomy Specialist. And uh, I think with that, Heather, we would like to uh, give us a little bit of your background and throw a little bit of the Wisconsin twist in there for us. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show today. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually a Vermont native. I, I grew up here, and uh, so I, I'm really proud of that, but I would say my second home is Wisconsin. I'm a UW uh, alumni. I got my master's at the University of Wisconsin, so spent about three years there, and was really fortunate enough to be able to travel the entire state. So I, I had some research plots um, at seven locations. So when I was there, I really got to see see the whole state, which was nice and even made it way up to Ashland. I don't know if the research station is still up there, but I had some plots that no, far north. Yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's closed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, so it was a while ago when I, <laughs> when I was there. But yeah, so I have a, a connection to the Midwest and my, uh, my, my husband's family lives in Iowa too. So it's a place that we get to go a lot and visit. So I do consider it a, a second home. Yeah, and as far as uh, what I do here in Vermont, I'm, I'm at UVM, the University of Vermont. I do a lot of different things here, and uh, but hemp is one of them. So that's why I'm the special guest today. Well, we should start a little background on, on your research with industrial hemp, Heather. Yeah, okay. Well, I've been uh, working or researching industrial hemp since uh, 2015, I believe, or 16. I guess 15. Um, and I've you know, I've been excited about working with hemp. I think like probably many people on this, um, you know, listening to new crops, you know, I'm excited about new crops too. There's just a level of exciting uh, excitement working with something new that we don't know a lot about. Um, and so when we were, you know, afforded the opportunity to work with hemp, I jumped right on it immediately worked my way through all the bureaucracies associated with that and put my first research plots in the ground. Um, I guess it, was, it must have been 2016. And so we've been working on uh, grain, 
uh, research, fiber, a little bit of fiber research, and then also uh, over the last, I guess it'll be three years now, flower research or, um, you know, hemp for CBD, which has become, you know, the popular, <laughs> popular hemp product lately. And Heather, can you just explain a little bit about the physiology of industrial hemp and how that's uh, the differences between what you would do maybe for grain fiber yeah. production and CBD? Yeah, so industrial hemp, I think everyone knows that it has very, very low levels of THC. So that's why we're allowed to, to grow that as a crop now. And if we're um, growing hemp, or if you're growing hemp, you should know that there's both male and female plants. I think that's that's really um, a big piece of understanding hemp, which is different than a lot of the crops that we work with. Um, you know, corn, as an example, has male and female parts on the same plant, but hemp itself has male plants and female plants. So if you wanna make seed, obviously you need both. You need male and female plants. So you grow them both. Um, if you wanna produce hemp for flour, so you're just harvesting the female flower bud, you definitely don't want any males around. Um, and so if you're growing for grain, you're growing both male and female plants, and also for fiber. And if you're growing for flower, then you're only growing female plants. And you definitely don't want any of those pesky male plants around mm -hmm. because, you know, when you're growing for flower, for female flower, that's all you want. Um, you're really looking to harvest the female flowers that are really high in these um, cannabinoids or CBD as an example. I know a lot of listeners probably hear about that cannabinoid the most. And so if it does become seedy, quote unquote, the level of those cannabinoids goes down considerably. So if you're really trying to meet that market with high cannabinoids and things like CBD, you definitely don't want any male plants. So that that's probably one of the primary pieces of hemp physiology that people need to know about. One other, um, I would say, is the fact that most hemp um, that people are growing is photoperiod sensitive, which means that when the day length changes, the plant moves from vegetative to reproductive. And so that obviously has um, implications when you're, when you're growing the crop. So those are probably the two biggest um, physiological pieces that people should know about. So what are you seeing as far as um, that marketing picture for uh, that, whether it's for the oils or for the grain fiber market that mm -hmm. uh, growers might be interested in, in growing industrial hemp? Yeah, well, you know, things are a lot different than they were a year ago. I'm sure uh, you folks have noticed that in Wisconsin too, the, the buzz of um, making millions off from hemp has, has uh, gone away. <laughs> we, you know, we're not sort of seeing that gold rush mentality right now. So the market is really different than it was a year ago. So let's start with um, hemp flour. So again, hemp flower is the female um, flower buds that are harvested. 
and they're harvested to be processed into primarily CBD at this point, but also CBG, which is another cannabinoid. And the market for that has declined quite considerably, at least the pay price. It's still actually um, a good price per acre. You know, it's not $40,000 return per acre that was being projected last year, but it's still, um, it's still a good return per acre, you know, well over $1,000. But, you know, that's if you have someone to sell it to. So the market prices for biomass, um, which is basically just harvesting some leaves and stems and female flower, um, and, and that's taken and the CBD is extruded out of it um, and then sold. You know, you got to connect with a market because even though the price is decent, if you don't have anyone that's going to buy it from you, you know, I think we all know it doesn't matter. So, so the price is still good, but finding a market um, is challenging because the processing side of this equation is growing slowly. So the capacity to handle the hemp that's being grown right now is pretty limited. And I'm sure it's that way in Wisconsin too. It's that way in Vermont and many, many places. Um, the market for dried high quality flour for smoking. So some people will smoke the flower bud um, to get that the CBD effects, um, which again are not psych, uh, psychoactive at all, but some people use it to manage pain, um, stress, anxiety, things like that. So people do roll and smoke it similar to tobacco. That market is very good. Um, that's still at 250 up to $400 per dried pound of flour. Um, so that market is holding strong. But again, you have to be able to connect with somebody who um, can process and, and distribute that smokable flour. So finding the market outlet for your crop is, um, is critical or else, you know, really don't bother growing it. Because, especially for flour because the quality just doesn't hold up over time um, if you're not set up to handle it, which most people aren't. Uh, Heather, great, isn't that, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but isn't that no. probably the, the most uh, labor intensive one too, the flower? It's not a lot of mechanization in the flower industry. Yeah, right? but even with the labor involved, if you have the labor force, um, it's still, you know, it actually still can generate a return. But yes, absolutely. That's the one that's still largely hand harvested. You know, I think last year, probably in Wisconsin too, I saw some of, of your innovations. People are innovating to harvest mechanically, but that's for biomass, right? So biomass is kind of lower, lower grade, I would say. They don't care if you break this, you know, the buds and, you know, mash up everything. Um, but for smokable flour, which is still, you know, gaining that higher price, that's going to be more finely handled, manicured, stored, all of that. Yeah. So what about the grain and fiber market then? Um, do you see it growing in the, the Northeast or across the country at this point? So, yeah, I mean, on a very small scale, right? So uh, most of the markets that we have right now are, I don't want to call them boutique necessarily, but very local, 
uh, locally produced products that are coming out the door. So the markets aren't huge. We're not talking yet about big commodity sales of thousands of acres of grain crop. Um, because on the more industrial level, again, the processing and the, the value chains to bring this stuff to market have not been set up. So, you know, we're, we're so much, we're so anxious in agriculture to have something new, maybe something that can make us some money. Um, we're way ahead of, of the processing and distribution side of things. So it's growing very slowly. You're probably well, Heather, seeing the same thing, I'm sure. Yeah, just, just to clarify, we've got the, um, the cannabinoids that are pulled out of the flower part of the, the plant. Or, or it could be the whole plant in general yep. if it's lower lower grade. Um, but then we can also get oil out of the seed, correct? Do oh, we, yeah. There's yep. something there, too. Very different, though. So right. I think that's where people get confused. So um, the oil that comes out of the seed, so hemp is an oil seed. Um, and, you know, very similar to canola, let's say, or sunflower or flax. I would say it's probably a little bit more closer to the oil you would get out of flax seed. Okay. So um, it's, it's very high quality, very nutritious, has a lot of omega-3s in it. It doesn't have any THC in it. You know, it doesn't have those cannabinoids. So it's used for very different purposes. Um, it's not necessarily considered, I guess, like a nutraceutical or a herbal supplement or anything like that. Um, hemp oil is used... Um, like very minor for cooking. Um, again, it's used more as a health supplement for a lot of people, a protein source. So it, it would be used similar to flaxseed oil. You know, we don't cook with flaxseed oil. We, you know, put it in little capsules and take it to supplement our diets. What, what about the meal that's left over after the, the um, processing of the oil? Um, yeah. Do they use that for, I understand they use some of that for flour. Uh, yeah. Is it a possible livestock feed? But I don't think that's approved yet, right? I don't think it's approved yet. Yeah, it's it's not in Vermont. But yeah, so again, I always think about flaxseed meal, right? And hemp meal is very similar. It could be used with really um, similar, um, you know, health, like my husband puts it on his, sprinkles it on his, oatmeal in the morning <laughs> so you know again it's it's still got a lot of good goodness in it a little bit more fiber um so it's used in baking when we say flour it's not a traditional flour you're not gonna really want to make an entire uh cake out of it or anything but it's still got a good amount of protein in it and fiber so people use it um when when they're cooking we use it as a fertilizer. It's a really good fertility source. Mommy, um, if, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Yep. Sorry, that's my son. This is a real podcast, folks, right? Yeah. We're we're doing it's this because we're in a pandemic. Live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been actually trying the he trialing the hemp seed meal as a fertility source. Um, it's got a lot of protein, uh, which means it has a good amount of nitrogen in it, and it breaks down really quickly in the soil, um, more quickly than some of the other, like soybean meal, as an example. So it may not be the highest value product to gain from it, but 
um, a good way to return that back to the ground and, and get some fertility out of it for sure. What about, have you guys gone anywhere with fiber in Vermont yet or in the Northeast? Ah, it feels like people are continually trying to, are trying. You know, uh, we get called regularly from businesses that are trying to, to get started. We have a business recently that's trying to turn the fiber into paper um, to replace some of these, you know, cups like coffee cups and things like that. Um, but nothing substantial yet. Nothing substantial. And, and I would say that's pretty, yes, go. Pretty similar around uh, the Northeast. So not a whole lot yet. I know I think here, the, in here in Wisconsin, we've uh, had some discussions with um, a couple of our other university institutions uh, about the paper industry and, and also some yeah. processing equipment. And, but unfortunately, that was early March when those conversations started and yeah. kind of everything's on hold right now, of course. But um, yeah. even in Canada, well, it, the fiber hasn't taken off too much yet, has it? No, you know, I think they're big capital investments. Um, and, you know, not beyond that, you know, stiff competition, right? <laughs> so, I mean, there's uh, other sources, uh, synthetic and natural for, for fiber that are already set up in place. Um, so these kind of big capital intensive investments um, aren't moving as fast as I think we'd all like to see. Yeah. One other product you hear a lot about is hempcrete. You guys yeah. doing anything with hempcrete out there? Uh, there's a little bit of movement with hempcrete. Again, um, no manufacturing facilities yet, but a lot of people, you know, kind of going around trying to figure out how to make it happen. You know, it, it's a more expensive building product. So again, that's, you know, part of the limitation. Even though we can probably make these things, there might be in some, you know, it, people that want to invest in it, ultimately, will that more expensive product at this point have a spot in the marketplace enough to warrant the investment um and i think you know that's what we're everybody's trying to to figure out so those will i think be some of the last things to come for hemp so so maybe just a, a little bit I, I know some of your first studies you did some seeding rate trials and things like that uh, if you want to just could you just talk a little bit about yeah. what you found on seeding rate for grain and fiber um yeah and, yeah, well, so one of the things I think, you know, if, if folks are interested in growing hemp, um, this is a, a, a big uh, take home message, I would say, is that the seed itself is very, or the, the um, emerging seedling <laughs> is really, really sensitive to um, like compacted, crusted soils. Um, and also the seed itself, when you buy it, tends to have pretty low germ rates. So when you're planning your seeding rate, those are two pieces you really need to be thinking about. So first, you want to make sure that you adjust your seeding rate based on the actual germination rate um, that's listed on the, um, on the bag of seed. So if the seed's only 80% germ, and I tell you today, you should be seeding at 20 pounds of seed per acre, that means you need to be planting more than 20 pounds. You need to account for that low germ. 
Otherwise, you're going to be disappointed um, when you wa watch the crop come out of the ground. So that's one thing. Um, could I, could I, yeah. We talked about seed a little bit there. Can we um, just a, where, where do you look at for finding the, the highest quality seed right now? Uh, some people refer to it kind of like, hey, it's the Wild West out there. But, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, what do you recommend for, for looking to find that high quality seed? Yeah, well, so if you're growing for grain or fiber, there are some very well-established companies already in Canada, and they now have distribution into the United States. Um, and so it's pretty easy to get what I would say is like high, higher quality and also better genetics for grain and fiber. So there's companies like Hemp Genetics International, HGI. Um, they're distributing, at least through King's AgriSeed um, as one. There's other companies, I'm sure, as well. They're located in Pennsylvania. And then Seedway, um, which is a kind of a more local company here, um, they're distributing uni seeds, UNI seeds, um, and that's coming out of Ontario. I like the Ontario varieties better for where we are because they're adapted to that kind of temperate um, climate where a lot of the seed coming out of uh, the western part of Canada is, you know, has been bred and developed in a drier, drier conditions. So I think you've worked with those, Carl um, and Jerry, and you've seen that they're pretty short. <laughs> they don't, you know, they're not putting on that tall growth. Um, and, and so there's some weed, you know, can be some weed issues there. Yeah, you brought up a good point, Heather, about talking about where uh, the climate difference is. And it's one of the reasons, besides you being an excellent researcher and extension person, um, the climate at uh, your research station at Rogers Farm is, is really, really similar to what we deal with here in, in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I, that's why I, I point a lot of people towards your data because of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, we started, I mentioned weeds. I know a lot of people have had challenges establishing good stands of grain and fiber. And again, this gets back to the seed quality, but it also gets back to soil quality. Um, because again, that little hemp seedling hates crusted soil. And so making sure you have excellent soil conditions when you're planting hemp is is just really critical because otherwise um you know you can lose up to 40 percent of the seed that you put in the ground so i know in canada they actually account for that in their seeding rate you know so they're not only accounting for germ you know the germ rate that's listed on the bag but they're also accounting for a 30 percent mortality loss on top of that so you can see how the, that you know 20 pound per acre seeding rate can be up of towards 50 by the time you make all these adjustments. So you know these are really important considerations because if you don't get a good stand of hemp, you're gonna have weeds. <laughs> you can't you know and and if you get a good stand of hemp, they will the hemp will easily outcompete the weeds. Yeah, but you gotta have a solid that. stand. Yeah. yeah, we mowed off half of our plots last yeah. year because the weeds yep. just destroyed it. Uh, but it, and I think part of ours is that we've been planting too early. What do you guys look like uh, look at for planting date or planting conditions or weather conditions? Before yeah, yeah. So we have done some planting date studies, and really the end result was it depends. 
<laughs> um, it depends on the weather. So it, hemp can actually um, be planted when it's relatively cold, but it's really about the, the soil moisture um, and also about the conditions on, on each side of planting. So, it, you know, it's so hard to predict the weather these days, but um, what I've been told by farmers in, in Canada is just be patient. And, you know, you have a pretty decent window for planting hemp that can go from mid-May really to about mid-June. And so finding that sweet spot um, for planting is really when, you know, you have a you know, pretty decent amount of moisture to go out and plant, but not too wet. And, and you're not expecting, you know, some deluge in the next week. <laughs> and I think that's what's been challenging for you folks, as well as us. Our springs have been really pretty tough the last uh, few years. So it's been hard even in that window to find a time to get out there. So I would say bump up your seeding rate, you know, if, you, if conditions are poor. I know last year we struggled a little bit. Jerry, what was our planting date last year? Do you recall? It was um, uh, <clears throat> Chippewa County. We planted June 11th. So yeah, we were not we were, too bad. Yeah. yeah. And we're actually hoping to plant, uh, you know, right after Memorial Day this year. So maybe yeah. a week or two earlier. Is our yeah. And I think our planting date was right around June 15th here in Buffalo County, uh, about a week later. And the germinated really well. Then it got cold and it just sat there and the weeds yeah. took off and and one of our colleagues, uh, Dr. Brian Luckdown in Madison, planted a trial at uh, Arlington. And because he wasn't able to get the seed in time, he didn't plant till the 25th of June. And his crop was amazing compared to ours. So yeah, uh, it, uh, I will was, say that um, it is pretty. Um, <laughs> it does. It likes the heat, you know. And once the the heat units pick up, it grows really fast. So, you know, it is like some other crops where you need to manage those weeds on the front end a bit. And I know, um, I don't know what, you know, the, the sort of regulations are, but in Wisconsin, but we do have farms that um, do some pre-plant herbicide applications uh, with things like trifluralin products like that, basically that help to take care of some of the weeds before they're gonna go in and plant other crops, you know, we do that with canola and um, hemp and things like that. So that can help um, on the front end. And then that gives the hemp a little bit of time to kind of get established up and going before, you know, all the rest of the weeds kick in. So yeah, as a new grower, how would you, you get started? What's your advice for someone that's, um, you know, wanting to make the money and thinks this is the way to go? Yeah, well, I would tell them to first start searching out a reputable market. You know, I, th I, I don't, uh, we had a lot of issues, I'm sure you did too, last year with people that even had contracts with mm -hmm. buyers and then the buyers folded before they even got to harvest or, you know, once the, we got to harvest, the buyers realized the price had dropped substantially, so then wanted to change their contracts, you know. So everybody was in this real learning mode. And I don't I don't necessarily think that any of the buyers were were shysters or you know trying to you know to to do bad things, <laughs> but you know, the market the the market fell apart 
people didn't even know what they were getting into, you know, farmers and processors for the most part. Um, so now I feel like things are settling out a bit. Um, there have been people in the business for more than a year, you know, um, a couple, two, three years in some cases. So to start searching out, especially if you're a new grower, you know, a market that might be more stable with a more reputable buyer. Um, someone that maybe other farmers in the area have also been selling to. Um, so they have a little bit of a track record and, you know, that's where I would start. Um, I wouldn't definitely go out and put 50 acres in thinking they were going to sell it at the end of the season. Yeah, that seemed to be the, the, the questions we were getting last year here yeah. with extension in Wisconsin was I've got 30 acres. I want to grow hemp. And it was like, whoa, 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 you know, back yeah. off. <laughs> Do you have a market? Do you know what you're getting yourself into? You kind of had this list of questions, not to talk them out of it, but to make yeah. sure they knew exactly uh, what they were getting into. And there was a big difference between whether they were going to try to grow it for grain and fiber, which maybe a farmer did have a drill or, you know, some of the, the equipment to do that, but growing it for, for uh, the cannabinoids, that's a whole different ball game because yeah. it's more like, I, I'd like to look at it as gardening, so to speak, yeah, because if right. you've got an individual plant and you're doing more uh, mechanic or, uh, you know, weed control is much different and you're trying to treat each plant separately uh, or individually, so to speak. Um, but those are the questions I think we got was, uh, you know, I've got this acreage, I want to do this. And you had to make sure they were going into it with their eyes open because, yeah. uh, because of these challenges you just explained. Yeah, but there was the allure of money, Jerry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, yes. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you've worked with a lot of specialty crops and so have I, and I, <laughs> I just, I have never seen anything like this where it didn't really matter. There were no barriers, mm -hmm. right? There were right. no barriers. Um, even even when you put up the barriers for the farmers, <laughs> they still did it anyway. You know, they they bought uh, black plastic mulch layers and they you know figured out how to irrigate and they were paying this like absorbent amount of money for plants and there were no barriers. I have never seen this with any other crop that I have tried to get farmers to grow. It just, see, you know, the view was there's no barriers because ultimately there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So, you know, I think it's a real interesting lesson learned on, on a lot of levels. Like if we, if we want farmers to diversify, tell them there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, there were no, it was just crazy. I've never, ever seen anything like that. I'm sure you, it was the same for you. <laughs> market, no market. Yeah. Just, they yeah. did it. So we can grow hemp. We know that now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think that's the way we've approached it here with some of the trials that we've done. This will be our second year of a research project here in Chippewa County with, with uh, UW-Madison. And I think we've proven that, yeah, you can grow this stuff. Now, yeah. um, let's put that aside. You got to have a marketing plan and go yeah. forward with, with what you're going to do and, and go into it knowing this is a cost of production. Like you said, I think yeah. people just thought the money was going to kind of just show up but you've got a lot of inputs before you can even have any kind of uh, return on it. Yeah, I remember talking to um, some dairy farmers last year that wanted to do this. And I said, you know, it's a lot of work and it's gonna cost a lot of money. And they said, well, dairy farming is a lot of work and I'm losing money every day, you know? So mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was worth, it was worth the risk for people. Yes. 
-hmm. you know, or they thought that it would be worth the risk. And for some people it was, you know, some people did come out the other end smiling. Um, and a lot of people didn't. So. Sure. And there was a lot of excitement, which we haven't seen in agriculture, you know, in recent years. So right. not as much <laughs> excitement this year, but, uh, and, uh, yeah. but, and, and, and Jerry and I've had this conversation with some of our colleagues that maybe we're in a good spot right now, as far as extension people, researchers that, that with the grain and fiber, at least we have a little time now. We, maybe we have a couple of years to really get a good handle on this yeah. and, uh, and how to grow it. What are the barriers? And then maybe some of our colleagues who are in um, market research have a little bit of time to, to, um, to go ahead and, and, and get the research done before we, before we uh, plant thousands of acres again yeah. in, without markets. So. Yeah, I do think it's, it's certainly, it's definitely an exciting time, I think, for, for the researchers because we do have the opportunity to set the stage, you know, um, to be, to think about how, we're going to grow this crop economically, uh, sustainably, environmentally. You know, we're not trying to get people to change the way they're growing something. We're leading, you know, hopefully um, the way saying, you know, th these are the best practices. Um, and, you know, that to me is, is exciting. We haven't been there for, for a while. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I had a chance last summer to, or I took the chance to go to to Germany to their European Industrial Hemp Conference. And you, you mentioned the word sustainable and that's that word was used constantly at this conference. Uh, what's your viewpoint on hemp as a quote, sustainable crop? Yeah, well, um, you know, I think people definitely um, tout hemp as being, you know, the, like some people, the savior, you know, um, but, you know, with any crop, I think we can do a really good job growing it to both produce, you know, good yields, quality, and protect the environment, or we can do a really bad job at that. And I, hemp's no different. Hemp's not just going to uh, be environmentally friendly. You know, we have to grow it in a way um, that it will be, you know, and the potential for it to um, you know, have less inputs, let's say, is there, but it's not a given, you know, it's not a crop that grows without fertilizer, we already know that, um, it's not a crop that grows without herbicides, we already know that, um, and so can it be? Well, definitely, it can be a really great crop in a rotation with the other crops that we grow so that we can, you know, reduce inputs and have reduced herbicides and all of those great things. But it, it's not a given. It's not a definite. We and that's why I said it's exciting because we have the opportunity right now to set the stage so that it does become a, you know, a crop that has a lot of um, benefits to the farmer, you know, and other crops and the environment and so on and so forth. Good point. I know in Buffalo County, we tried to, uh, the last two years, we put in some uh, under no-till conditions and with very, very mixed results uh, yeah. because of weed control. Um, so the, the whole idea is sustainable in our hillsides in Western Wisconsin. There, there's a question mark there. We, we have to, we have to uh, practice some or learn some new practices before I would consider it like an erosion control crop. Yeah. Like that, so. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, so we have some work to do, and but I do think you know there's some definite benefits 
to growing the crop. Um, but it does take fertilizer, you know. It, <laughs> you know, it's very similar to corn in a lot of ways uh, from that perspective. And I, you know, I did a historical, I don't know, analysis of hemp in, in New England. And, you know, the, the colonists did not want to grow hemp even when the government tried to subsidize them, you know, way back um, early on, they wouldn't grow it because it took too much from the land. That's what it says in these very like old, old historical documents. So, you know, they, they wanted to grow something else like flax because it was, you know, much easier on the soil. Um, so, you know, I think, it can go right and it can go wrong. <laughs> Just like everything that we do. So we have this task right now and the opportunity to make it go right. Yeah, that's what we learned in, in Chippewa County was the inputs of, of uh, we did a nitrogen trial here. And yes, absolutely. It turned out, you know, 80 to 100 pounds of, of uh, nitrogen was needed at a minimum. Uh, that was kind of that, that sweet spot somewhere in yeah. there, depending on soil type and, um, you know, uh, previous crop was soybean, so we got a little bit of credit, some of that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's not an input-free free crop at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you have any uh, any advice as far as um, some of the harvesting? I know we talked a lot of production type of stuff, but we yeah. get to that harvest point of whether it's for for the cannabinoids or we look at harvesting for for grain and fiber. What's your experience on on those sides, Heather? Yeah, well, so fiber. So it depends. Okay. So for grain, I think this is where a lot of farmers um, run into issues is because most of the grain that we're used to harvesting looks really brown and dead <laughs> when we go out to <laughs> harvest it, you know, so it's naturally, when would you harvest hemp for grain? When it's brown and dead. But that is not what you should do. You know, you, you actually harvest hemp when it's still very green and leafy. Um, and, but the seed is ripe and that goes against, you know, our, um, farming fabric, right? <laughs> it's like everything we know says wait. Um, and I think that's where people run into trouble with the wrapping, you know? So if you wait too long, um, there's a change in the fiber of the hemp plant as it becomes more mature. So uh, what I believe happens is the, the pectin that holds the outside um, bass fibers uh, starts to break down. And once that starts to happen, when, you, when you're combining, the stems start to break and then they start to get wrapped up in the combine. So the harvest window isn't a long period of time. It actually is, is fairly short and, and it's pretty predictable because it is a photo period sensitive crop. So, you know, for most places, we're talking about the end of August, um, just past Labor Day. So you can always count on it roughly being harvested around the same time. So that's a big challenge is just re, re you know, tooling the way you look at things. The other challenge I would say is making sure you have a way to clean it um, because there's, because you're harvesting green material, there's a ton of leaves um, and hulls that are in the seed. And so you have to have a way to dry it um, rapidly, but not with too much heat or else you'll, you know, burn things up um, or get it cleaned and in a dryer. So, you know, to me, that's, that's a step that people have figured out the hard way. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and uh, when you mentioned cleaning and drying, um, uh, you got to do that rapidly is yeah. the key word because in a couple hours, oh, like, yeah. I found out it'll start to mold already and and, uh -huh. and your product is is total waste. So it's, yep. uh, you really have to, to get on the ball. It's a, to me, it was a little bit similar to canola because you always have some green seed in canola and you got to get air on it right now. And, and uh, yeah. that, I would uh, really emphasize that you have to get yeah. You have to it's actually it easier to dry it and then clean it, trying to clean it first. And if you had a big rotary um, screen cleaner, it probably would work okay. But, you know, it's gummy. It's way more gummy than um, you got, because you still have all those oils and terpenes um, all over that plant. And so when you put it through a regular seed cleaner, oh my gosh, what a mess. So you're, you're better off if you can get air on it and dry those hulls down and then put it through a cleaner. But you know, it depends, I guess, what kind of equipment you have. So on the uh, cannabinoid side, that's not combined. That's more uh, hand harvested at this yeah. point for the most part. And then individually uh, flowers harvested. Yeah. yeah, that's a, you know, go out into the field and cut the plants down and uh, break, da break them down. They look like little trees, you know, so you have to cut the stems off. Um, or the branches, and then you cut the stems off the branches and pull off the big leaves and very labor intensive, um, depending on how fine you're going to process it for, you know, that smokable flower bud. We're talking, you know, two to four hours, maybe five hours per plant. <laughs> um, and if you're harvesting for biomass, you know, you may be looking at five minutes a plant, but still it's, it's quite a bit of late. It's all hand labor for the most part. So, so why so, should we grow hemp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what do you, I was going to state that a little bit, maybe uh, easier. What do you think the future Softer. is? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, do we do. Well, I mean, at least in Vermont, you know, and this is Vermont, of course, we're small. Um, you know, we're not going to grow big commodity crops of, of hemp, not here, you know, we don't do anything that way. Um, so for us, it's really going to be those kind of value added local high quality uh, specialty markets that our farmers are already going for, you know, we have some very well established um, hemp companies in Vermont, Sun Soil is one of them, they've been here since 2014. Um, and, and you know, they're one of the biggest uh, and, and most reputable CBD businesses in the country right now. And I will say that they're still only growing 50 acres. So, you know, I think there's still opportunities. There's still products coming out the door, but our excitement is ahead of where all of that is right now. So, you know, what I see are, are farmers that are still in it um, know that there, there will be more opportunities coming, you know, all the time. Um, and so, you know, people connecting and continuing to connect and network um, is where I think people should be at right, right now. I do feel like the opportunities are gonna continue to come. This isn't gonna go away. It's not a fly by night thing, um, but, you know, the crop has been legal for what a, a year, really. 
you know, we can't expect the entire infrastructure to be set up um, to process everything that we want to do. Well, Heather, this has been great to touch base this way, I think, and, and, um, and hopefully at some point in time, we can all get together in, in person again. In yeah. Our lives and and, um, and uh, maybe uh, we, we can venture out and come to your field day and, and vice versa and yeah. share in our research projects. Jerry, any, any last um, questions, comments that you might have? No, I think, uh, thank you, Heather, for joining us on our initial Cutting Edge podcast today. Appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, like Carl said, hope we see you down the road. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great growing season. This has been The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. Brought to you by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Division of Extension.